Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 14th episode of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, another week of off-season hockey here in November. I'm getting used to it. You're getting used to it. The whole hockey world is getting used to it. How's your week been so far? I mean, are we really getting used to it? It still feels kind of weird. But I'd like um, to say I'd like to say no. Like I, I don't think I'll ever get used to not having hockey in November. But yeah, you know, trying our best here with the 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 good weather we have here uh, mm-hmm. north of the border right now. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time it was like twenty degrees in November? I I don't remember, and like you know, since I was born, I don't remember it being twenty degrees ever in November. Um, I mean, recently, right now. I mean, Halloween's over. My family's already gearing up for the holiday and Christmas season. I was putting up Christmas decorations in a T-shirt. And I, usually it's like, you know, frigid cold. Um, I'm wearing a jacket. I'm bundled up. I got my gloves on and I got to take them off to, like, you know, put the lights up. And my hands are freezing. And this wasn't that holiday season or, like, the intro to the holiday season that I'm so used to. Yeah, no, I mean, like. As soon as Halloween's over, you know, I usually get the eggnog coffees going right in the morning. Yep. Um, but uh, not to say I'm not doing that, but it just feels a little <laughs> bit weirder with the, you know, the sun's out. You know, it's it's gleaming down on us. Warm weather. I was out for a walk yesterday with my with my family and, you know, shorts on. I had a little sweater on, but I was, you know, at some point I had to take it off because it was just getting it was getting so hot. Like I was getting yeah. so warm outside yesterday. And. This is where, you know, my my mom always tells me this is when people get sick. You know, you're so obviously the last week heading into November this past week, it was like, you know, average temperature, you know, seven, eight, nine degrees. Then it gets all all the way up into the double digits and your body's not used to that. And it's just a whole mess. And with everything going on right now, you don't know if it's just like a slight little bit of a cold or it's COVID. So you want to be extra cautious about how everything is going on right now. But I, I totally agree. I mean, you don't know how to dress appropriately right now. It's really difficult. And we're saying that in November. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, obviously, before we get into any hockey news, it was a big day yesterday for our, our neighbors to the south. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't uh, we won't get into a huge, huge political discussion here on the podcast. That's not where what we're here for. But, uh, you know, congratulations. It, it looks like it's going to be an exciting time for the for the United States. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how the dynamic changes over the next couple of months before, you know, obviously January 20th when uh, when Joe Biden is sworn in as uh, mm-hmm. as president and Kamala Harris is sworn in as as VP, which I think is a great move. Uh, but again, let's not get into politics. Let's jump yeah. over to hockey news. Um, as we said, the off season continues. We've got signings galore again this week. Um, let's start it off with Dallas, an interesting signing in Julius Honka, uh, just yeah. 24 still, uh, very young, a lot of hockey ahead of him. They signed him to a one year two way deal. Uh, this is a guy who requested a trade last season and, uh, in doing so went over and played in Finland he had 15 points in 46 games in Finland. He has 13 points through his first 87 NHL games. What 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 are your thoughts here? I, you know, I think 
him signing makes it makes it known that you know he's willing to give Dallas another chance and I think it was just you know they had a little bit of a rocky start and this is uh this is kind of them mending fences yeah I can't help but go back to the whole William Nylander saga I mean obviously William Nylander signed but there was that whole point you know if he doesn't sign where is he going to play he can't play in the NHL he's got to play overseas in Europe or that seemed like the best option if that were to happen so there's kind of that parallel right there with the contract negotiations, the stalemate and everything like that. And also similar to, to Josh Hosling that we talked about last week um, with his pass and him wanting to request a trade. Um, like you said, I think it's a way to try and mend, you know, the relationship between the player slash agent and the team itself. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of potential with him he's still very young and he just hasn't been able to translate his game um the fact that it's a two-way contract it's something it, it has to be approved me now kind of thing um he needs to clear waivers if it doesn't work out a team can still pick him up and it's going to be at a relatively cheap deal yeah no i think it's uh, like i said it's um you know it's a, it's a chance to kind of mend fences here i think honka understood that you know, he was asking for something that the team wasn't ready to give. He's still a young mm-hmm. player, still so much to, to to prove, and he has that ability to to get it done. And that's that's the interesting part is that this is a player that honestly has the skill to be an NHL NHL player. Um, that said, you know, he's got to kind of come into the NHL and show them that he can get that done at that level before they, you know, kind of give him the opportunity that he he's looking for. Yeah, and he's got his work cut out right now. I mean, Essa Lindell has, you know, progressively got or has earned his uh, minutes as sort of like a two-way D-man. Um, you've got a top pairing in Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg, who are studs. I'm not sure if they actually are a pairing. I'm just going to say you got two really stud defensemen right there um, in your graphs that could fill out uh, one on the top pairing, one on the second. You signed Mark Pizik. Um, You have Jamie Alexiak, who was a force for them during the playoffs. Their defense was tough to play against, and it's really going to be tough for Honka to try and crack that list. And you even still have, you still have Stephen Johns, you still have Andre Sequeira. Um, Taylor Fedun is also fighting for a spot as well. So he's got his work cut out. I don't know if, it, like, obviously if he impresses, he's going to, like, make the team, right? But it's going to be difficult. It's, it's something that, you know, with the defense that they had during the playoffs... It's something that, yeah, we can still add to it, but we don't want to make any drastic changes to it. If Honka could add to them, perfect. We know what he can do. It's just, it's going to be really, really hard for him. Yeah, I think, too, the one thing to consider is that, you know, we've talked about a lot. If if and when the NHL comes back, it's going to be a condensed schedule. Mm -hmm. You're going to see injuries. You're going to see guys that need days off. Um, You know, this this is an opportunity where, you know, maybe depending on how they they monitor you know teams and and bringing players in and maybe expanding the rosters a little bit yeah this is an opportunity for Honka to get into some games where maybe in a in a regular season he wouldn't so yeah. you know I think that's that's where they're looking as well on top of that you've got him signed to a contract now this mm-hmm. is a guy that possibly you know with the names that you mentioned on defense you know maybe down the road they move him because now at least you've got him under contract. He's a guy that, you know, maybe teams might show some interest in and you get some pieces back and, you know, in return for him. So, I mean, there's a lot of options here for, for Honk. I think he's, he's understanding that to make the move to the NHL, he's got to come in and, and prove himself 
um, before he can kind of get that contract that he wants. And I think that's, you know, why we see him signing a, a one-year two-way deal with Dallas. Yeah. And let's not forget noted sniper on defense, Mark Pizik, also can play the right wing. So if they feel they need to move Pizik up into the lineup on like that third, fourth line role, you know that Julius Honka could possibly move up into the lineup. And also, like you said, they could also follow the baseball thing with the taxi squad, right? Have extra bodies on hand in case, you know, unfortunate circumstances rises, right? So you want to have as many bodies as possible. Good signing. If, again, something to prove when something comes up, it's going to be his time. But if he sends, if they do send him down, someone can easily pick him up. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and talking about players that have something to prove, um, the, the Winnipeg Jets signed Marco Dano to a one-year two-way mm-hmm. deal as well. Uh, his NHL value will be at uh, 700000 Uh This is a guy who's only 25 years old, uh, has 45 points in 141 career games, 19 points in 46 NHL games last season with, the, with Cleveland Monsters, uh, no points in three games with the Columbus Blue Jackets last season, that said, uh, he has started the season over in Slovakia with Trenton Dukla and has two goals and one assist in just one game. So is this a guy that maybe is starting to come around and develop? There was so much hype surrounding Dano, you know, when he was drafted um, mm-hmm. that I think he just he didn't live up to that expectation. And, you know, I think it played against him in terms of where he was going at the NHL level. Second stint with Winnipeg right now. So they previously acquired him before. Um, then he went on to, he went on from Winnipeg to Colorado, played eight games there, no points, came back to Columbus or came to Columbus, the team that drafted him, no points. And as he said, three points in one game in Slovakia right now, I remember watching him at the world junior championship and seeing him, and he, we were all taken by surprise at his impact for Slovakia at that tournament. He's got, he's got good speed, uh, speed and size. Again, like you said, he just hasn't found the right mix or you know the consistency factor that allows him to be a consistent NHL player. Um, could he get his chance now? It's a good possibility. I don't know, but again, they seem pretty well comfortable with their forward groups moving forward. Um, you know, especially like players that are going to be fighting for those like bottom six spots, Jensen Harkins, Nate Thompson, who's like a really strong veteran, Jack Roslevic, who's himself still hasn't come around. A um, lot of options, but at the same time, I hope that he does come around because he was such an intriguing player. Yeah. And I think like, as you mentioned, you know, second stint with Winnipeg, obviously, you know, they're not going to sign this guy unless they saw something they liked mm-hmm. as well. And that's the way I look at it is, you know, he's got an opportunity here. He's going back to a team that's already had him once, um, you know, obviously bringing him back they're, they're They've got something, you know, that they kind of have the book on him and, and understand what type of player he is. Um, and I, I'm with you. I think, you know, he had such a showing at the world juniors that, that, like I said, there was so much expectation for him coming in, and some players just don't like coming in with that pressure. Yeah, that that you know that's that's a pressure that some players just can't live up to, and I think that's that's what happened in in the situation with with Dano, is that you know he comes in, there's this expectation, he doesn't live up to it, all of a sudden there's your confidence gone, 
yeah. when you're a young player, um, you know, to get that confidence back, you need the opportunity. And he just wasn't going to get that, that opportunity. So I think it was good for him to kind of step away. Um, obviously, grind out in the AHL, always hungry league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, come back up and, and he's going to get another opportunity. Like I said, right now you're looking at a condensed schedule for the 2020-21 season. There's bodies, gonna bodies, be bodies, bodies. Bodies, bodies, bodies. There's going to be ample opportunity for these players mm-hmm. to get in the lineup. It's just a matter of getting into that lineup and then and then providing, you know, what that team's looking for. So for Dano, it might not even be, you know, an offensive threat. It might be, hey, this is the role you're going to step into. You're going to play, you know, against other teams' top lines. We need you to be kind of a two way two way forward. Be mm-hmm. be that guy who's going to get back and, and provide us some some effort in the defensive zone. And that might be he might need a shift to that role. And yeah. if he can do that, you know, th- there's no reason why he he shouldn't get an opportunity. He's still so young. Mm-hmm. He's still so so young. And, and you know, that's where the NHL is going towards these young guys. Th- that's where you know the opportunity is going to be. So I think it's a good signing. You know, it's it's low risk, low reward, or low risk, high reward. I should say if if it all works out. Um, it'll just be a matter of, you know, I think it's in it. I think it's in his hands now and it'll yeah. be interesting to see where he goes with it. Yeah. He's 25 right now. So yeah, he's still, still young, but this is the prime where, you know, you want to try and show who you really are. I mean, again, he really hasn't quite had his opportunities. I mean, he just hasn't taken that next step, but at this point, if right now, obviously he's not going to be that, you know, highly touted, uh, player that he once thought he would be. He's got to like temper his own expectations and be like, hey, this is what I'm at right now. I'm just going to go out. I'm going to play my game. Simple as that. Because at 25 right now, he can he have a breakout year? Absolutely. What those numbers may be is probably not going to be as high as many would like it to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, you know, there are some guys in the league that are still living up to the expectations that they came into uh, mm-hmm. with. Um, uh, one guy that, uh, just signed this week as well is Detroit's Anthony Mantha, Mantha, 26 years old, 173 points in 260 regular season games for the Red Wings, uh, 38 points in 43 games last season signs a four year deal worth 22.8 million. That's an annual average value of 5.7 million. This is a guy that's struggled a little bit with injuries, um, mm-hmm. so far in his, his career. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that that's not something he can entirely control yeah but you know 5.7 million that's that's a lot of money to spend on a guy who maybe hasn't had a full season for you yet yeah no and i i fully agree but if you look at it this way i mean that's still a good value contract for obviously on paper doesn't warrant almost 6 million but for the potential that he can have and i think that they were so confident that Last year, he had 48 points in 67 games. If, you know, he one, he was at 25 goals. He could have cracked 30, maybe 35, depending on, you know, how well the rest of the season would have gone for him, even though the Detroit Red Wings haven't been all that, you know, strong the last few years. Put up 14 points at the World Championships for Canada, seven goals, seven assists in nine games. Look to sort of get things on track this year, 38 points in 43 games. Again, injury is a major concern, but the potential is there. They're paying him like a 30-point guy, 30-goal guy that can maybe even 40 at 60, 70 points. That was his potential, and they're paying it like that. 
Um, again, like you said, injuries, 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 and it's so difficult because for what he can do, he just hasn't gained those opportunities. It, and health and the health factor is the reason why. When he gets to that point, I think this contract is going to go very well for this team, depending on when they start to feel that they can compete. Obviously, maybe after the four years, but if they can continue to add cheaper pieces and get a little bit closer, like improve a little each year, this contract is going to go well for them. Yeah, and I think right now it's it's nice because, you know, Detroit has the money to spend. Mm-hmm. We talked about it when Bertuzzi signed uh, last week. Um, yeah. You know, it's just right now they've got that that money. Well, why not spend it for the time being? You, you only signed him to a four-year contract. It's not like you're signing him to an eight-year deal. Yeah. Four years, you've still got time. You've still got the young guys coming up. You know, Steve Eiserman is the is the GM there. He knows what he's doing. He's the guy yeah. that built that Tampa Bay team that won the cup this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, until until I'm given reason to doubt what he's doing, you know, I, I don't mind the contract either. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it, it's tough for them when you sign a guy to a, a five, you know, almost six million dollar contract to yeah. see a guy out of the lineup con- consistently. The hope is that you know all his injuries are going to be behind him, and and you know. Moving forward, he can be that go-to guy in, in their lineup. And, and I think he's shown that when he's there, when he's healthy, he's, you know, one of the top scorers in the in the game right now. Yeah, and and again, it's all based on, like, what they thought of him. I mean, when they drafted him, they thought they, they were going to get, you know, a really, you know, a really great sniper. He, he could shoot the puck extremely well. It's, again... You don't want to see this happen, like especially for a young player who's like, you know, still trying to improve every single year, although Detroit really hasn't been all that competitive since 2015-16, right? So it's difficult, but at least they got one of their cornerstone pieces locked up because they know that he can get to that point. And once he does, this contract is going to be a steal. And I'm not saying that, you know, Joe Sackick has some competition for GM of the year. But this deal to sign one of your top players is extremely, you know, affordable, especially with the times right now. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And you mentioned it. And uh, it's very uh, Boston Bruins esque. So as mm-hmm. you move as you move on, you know, you got and, and Crosby said it on Spit and Chicklets a while back. You got one player to buy in. They all need a buy in. So yeah. if they can kind of get that going in Detroit, I think, you know, they're off to a great start with Mantha and Bertuzzi and even Dylan Larkin. So. Yeah. Um, and not only know. that, the prospects that they have coming up. I mean, yeah, we don't 100%. know when Lucas Raymond's going to show up. We don't know when Mort Sider's going to show up. We don't, I mean, they got a, a lot of really great young talent coming up in their pipeline right now. So they're going to be scary. Maybe not in the next two to three years, four, five, six, definitely. Yeah. And that'll be the time that now you can look at Mantha again and reevaluate what he's worth. And if, you know, again, you can get a guy signed for, let's say seven, eight million a year, you're going to be, you're laughing if you're the Detroit Red Wings at that point. Absolutely. Uh, another guy that signed this this uh, week and avoided arbitration, Ryan Strome in New York with the Rangers, 27-year-old, has 254 points in 491 career games, uh, had a career-high 59 points in 70 games last season, and he is inking a two-year deal with a cap hit of $4.5 million a year. Um, obviously a guy that, you know, again, a lot of expectation coming in when he was a young player in, in with the Islanders, mm-hmm. um, from there, it just, 
he didn't exactly live up to to what was expected of him. That said, you know, step over to the the other side of uh, of the New York belt there, and all of a sudden you've got a guy who's who's able to put it together with you know guys like Zabinajad and Panarin in the lineup, and and you know getting an opportunity to kind of show what he's able to do. And 59 points in 70 games last season, you know, I I don't mind this deal at four and a half million. Oh, absolutely not. It is a really great contract, and it took a while for him to get to this point, right? I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to lie. After, you know, the whole entire issues with, you know, only cracking 50 points once with the Islanders, then he got traded to Edmonton, then he got traded to New York, um, I honestly thought he was going to be a bust, and he was, you know, a, considered a top-five pick, and he was a junior star, you know? But uh, this year, I think, you know, he sort of found a step. I mean, he's he found really great chemistry with Artemi Panarin and uh, Jesper Fass. And he and I, I went to uh, Frozen Pool by Dauber Sports. It's a really great website for, like, you know, line combinations and how much percentage they spent uh, with, you know, certain players. 43.7% he spent with Panarin and Fass. 8.9% was with uh, Pavel Buchnevich on the other wing. Almost got to 60 points with Panarin, and he probably, who got 95, would have hit 100. Strom probably would have got even more points if the season wasn't locked out. He would have probably got 65, maybe even 70 at this point. So, yes, this contract is really, really good. And considering the fact that he's only starting to get to that point, if he could find that consistency with Panarin on his wing then you got a really solid like line coming up. And then again, you don't know if Alexi uh, Lafreniere is going to be joining you as well. Most likely that's going to happen. So Lafreniere, Panarin, Strom, that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it's a great signing. You lock up a guy for, for a couple more years and, and give him an opportunity to see what he can do with in your top six with mm-hmm. another young stud coming in. So I, I think it's a good signing. I love it. And, um, you know, the Rangers didn't uh, didn't just finish with Strom this week. They also avoided arbitration with 24-year-old Brendan Lemieux, who yeah. had 36 points in 131 regular season games. Or, sorry, has 36 points in 131 regular season games. Uh, he had 18 points in 59 games last season. But offense isn't everything for Lemieux. He's more of your agitator goes in there, goes into the grimy areas, you know, gets gets opponents off their game. Um, he brings the intangibles that kind of help this this motor run for the for the New York Rangers. And and uh, again, another another solid signing, 1.55 million uh, AAV over the two year deal. Um, I don't mind it. You're you're under two million for a guy that brings you know the intangibles to the lineup. I personally, I, I'm a fan of it. Personally, for me, I mean, they got the cap space, right? They could afford to try and they could afford to just give them slightly over. I probably wouldn't have gone over 1.5. I would have gone a shade under. But then again, I'm I'm not going to nitpick that much. I just think that seems a bit too much for a player who isn't all offense. And again, he does bring the intangibles. It's just you're paying that much money over for 111 penalty minutes. Who, for a guy who can cross the line and can't put his team in jeopardy at times. Just seems a bit much, but I, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I, I'm a fan, but I'm also not a fan of it. Let me just put it this way. The, the reason I, I think it was a good deal for them is because, so he's asking $2 million going into arbitration, yeah. teams offering $1 million. 
your your middle ball. yeah your middle point is one point five, mm-hmm. and I think going in arbitration he might have he might have grabbed a little bit more. So I think he might have grabbed probably one point six one point seven. Yeah. So that being said, you you make a deal. You're just over that halfway mark. You kind of expect as the team you're going in, you're, you're expecting to give them probably more than what you're offering. Absolutely, um, yeah. So that said, I think I think they walked away with a better deal than what they would have had they gone to arbitration. And that's the only reason I'm, I think the deal is worth it. Mm-hmm. On top of that, your term isn't, isn't uh, you know, long term. You're, you're oh, talking about a two-year yeah. deal. You know, give it two years for, for the financial side of the NHL to kind of bounce back. And, you know, a $1.55 million deal in two years – Looks like absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, um, and I think and I think that's on my part. Like, like, yeah, one point five million for over two years is absolutely a really great contract. It's just the fact that I like the money warranted for like the production may not. I, I don't know. I, I think I think I'm just being a little bit nitpicky here, but that's that's just me right now. No, I, I agree with you too. I think from your side of things too, Lemieux's got a lot of development still mm-hmm. to to become that. NHL player that you know he was drafted as yeah. you know he was a later round draft pick but that said in junior he was able to to be an offensive threat as well and I think he's kind of kind of jumped into this expectation of hey you know I'm Claude Lemieux's son this is what is what's expected of me That's true. and, and yeah. I think he hasn't focused entirely on what he's actually able to do as as a as a hockey player himself and, and create kind of his own his own uh, narrative as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where, you know, you, you, you hundred percent hit it on the, uh, the nail on the head is that he does have that development that's still needed to become, you know, uh, a long-term NHL player. Otherwise, yeah. if he continues down the road, he's going, yeah, he's going to become a guy like, you know, we talk about with Kadri where sometimes the wires cross and, and you're, you're crossing the line, putting your team in jeopardy which could mm-hmm. cost you series, which could cost you games, which could cost you, you know, a playoff spot down the road. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, it's it's a matter of finding the right, you know, situation for him and, and, and balance, yeah, and, and yeah. finding out, you know, what can this player bring to the lineup. And I, I think that's why I like the two-year deal. Give him that opportunity. Obviously, you've got a guy like Lafreniere coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, you've still got a lot of young guys on that team. Tony D'Angelo. Uh, he's a young guy. He's got, he's, he's had a few attitude issues in his, in his, uh, um, hockey career as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of room to, to show these kids how to be pros. And I think that's where we'll see a change in Lemieux in, you know, give it a year, give it two years, give it three years. You're going to see that development. Yeah. And it also depends on, you know, how, again, like we, uh, discussed previously before today, last week, the other weeks previously before, um, the roster size too, you know, if chances are, he's going to be on that fourth line, but let's say, you know, they feel like, you know, they kind of need a switch. They could swap them out. Someone come back in. So obviously again, bodies, bodies, bodies. I'm just saying, uh, again, um, th- again, it's a contract that I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of in the middle of, I, I'd have no strong feelings either way. Um, with this deal i mean again like you said it's only two years it's still under two million it's still good value they got cap space they could afford to give them that yeah no 100 percent. and uh you know we talk a lot about depth players and and, and what they're going to mean this coming condensed season yeah. um and the uh the, the buffalo sabers have signed a, an, another goaltender 
in Dustin Tokarski. We talked a lot about the goaltending in Buffalo and if they can get it done. Um, oh, yes. You know, they had all those moves up front. So they had 31-year-old Dustin Tokarski. It seems like just yesterday he was playing in the World Juniors. Um, but yep. 31 years old, he's played 34 NHL games in his career. One shutout, 2.84 goals against. He has a 10, 12, and 5 record over that span and a 9.04 save percentage. So mediocre numbers for a guy that's only played 34 four games. Um, obviously a small sample size. Uh, the Sabres signed him to a two-year contract with an annual average value of 725K. Um, but that said, all of this, I mean, this is a guy who hasn't played in the NHL since 2016-17 with Anaheim. Yeah. That said, it allows the Sabres to expose him in the expansion draft. And that mm-hmm. could be the saving grace for for a team that you know might be looking to hold on to their franchise goaltenders. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, that World Juniors, 2008-2009, with the, you know, the Tafaris, uh, Cody Hodgson, Jordan Everly, Ryan Ellis, that team was just completely stacked. And, you know, seeing him make those saves coming up big in the U.S. against Russia, um, we thought that he would be able to find a home, like, sooner than later. Instead, he's just bouncing all over the place right now. He was another junior player that just hasn't been able to... you know, push himself over the net to that next step and even just be considered as, you know, a reliable backup. And on a team like Buffalo, where he could finally make the roster, possibly. If he gets out of that taxi squad, it's going to be great because let's say they find they have no faith in Linus Albrecht. They have no faith in Carter Hutton. And, you know, they still provide the inconsistent goaltendings that that plagued them the past few years. This could be Tukarski's Tukarski's chance, sorry, to actually find a home, to make a name for himself. And, I mean, again, could it work out? Maybe. But then again, you also got uh, another stud goaltender in uh, Uko uh, Pekka uh, Lukanen coming up in the pipeline. He's probably going to be your guy coming up. It's just maybe he's just a filler. We don't know. We don't know, especially with Buffalo and their goaltending situation right now. Yeah, and you know, you talked about these junior players coming up that just don't. I, I, I think the biggest thing, and that his his jump from the World Juniors to trying to get into the NHL. I mean, like consider this: you're you're playing in a in a franchise behind Carey Price. Yeah. Um, I think that that was right around the time the OA, the CHL made a made a rule about import uh, goaltenders and mm-hmm. having them in your lineup and and they were trying to build that that canadian goaltending uh you know pipeline pipeline right so yeah. um i think obviously so many things were playing against Tokarski at that time and you know since then he's never really had that opportunity mm-hmm. uh can he start at the nhl level i don't think he's a 60 game guy oh no um that said, I think he could be a legitimate backup and, yeah. um, you know, put him in the right position and he could be that guy to, to, to fill in for 20 games a, a year. But, you know, again, we're talking about a guy who has such a small sample size of 34 games over how many years, you know, he's 31 years old. Um, is this more of just a move to try and expose him in the expansion draft or is this more of a move to you know, hey, let's let's solidify our goaltending in Buffalo, try and get, uh, you know, 
a tandem going and may and maybe make a maybe make a run for the playoffs this year, considering we haven't been there in, in nine years. Yeah, you pointed out some very good options and uh, or not options, but scenarios. And if that's the best they can do, great. But again, it's it's not going to go well considering their goaltending history and subpar goaltending. And not only that, again, you look at to the to the defense in front of them, how you know how inconsistent they have been and how out of position they have been quite a bit in their own end. So who is comes to a point down now who's really at fault? Is it the goaltenders? Is it the defense? What's going to happen right now with that? Uh, obviously, you know, they made improvements up front, signing key players, but on the back end, it's still the same. And if you don't address the problem, like we noticed with the Maple Leafs, you're going to get the same results every single game. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And, um, you know, obviously it'll be it'll be interesting to watch and see if uh, this is something that falls into fruition and, and maybe makes the roster and becomes a legitimate part of the Buffalo Sabres. But mm-hmm. at this point in time, again, it's another low risk uh, contract that, you know, oh, yeah. if it doesn't work out, so be it. But, you know, it's a good opportunity for Tukarski and, and moving forward, hopefully it's something that uh, he can build off of. For sure. For sure. And I still, and I, I'm still having flashbacks of that save that he made. I believe it was on Colin Wilson just flashed the glove coming over on the uh, wide open net, just dives at it. And the reaction watching that, I was just like, did I just see that? And I hope that we get to see those kind of like, obviously maybe not as, you know, highlight real, but you know, him making those uh, saves that when the team needs him, he's going to be reliable in that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and finally one more signing to, Aside from all the smaller smaller signings, uh, one guy that we want to talk about, he's a guy that was rumored to be on his way to Toronto at some point this offseason. Um, you know, obviously the Leafs made a bunch of moves of their own, and this guy is staying put in Florida on a three-year deal, annual average value of $3.2 million. Mackenzie Wieger, 26 years old, 41 points in 172 career regular season games, um, but a tough customer, a tough guy to play. And one that, uh, you know, I think it's a great signing by Florida. I think he's one of the more underrated defensemen in that lineup. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I tweeted during when all the rumors were coming out. I remember when they were inquiring about him. I was one of the ones I was thinking, yes, please let this happen. Please sign him. He's, like you said, he's an absolutely tough customer to play against. He's smart defensively. And I also tweeted out around that time his underlying analytics when he was playing with Aaron Ekblad. And although he's not the one getting all the points, he's the one helping drive the possession. He's driving the plays. And he was essential to their team success. And he would have benefited in a, in a uh, Maple Leaf system where they value puck possession. They look at the analytics and they say, hey, this is where we want to improve on. He would have done well. And at that contract, it would have been ext- what it would have been what Toronto was looking for. But they had to have, you know, get the rights to try and sign for him. I don't know if that they were willing to make a trade, but in the end, they ended up getting someone like TJ Brody. They got a little bit more experience, but kind of like the same player in that margin of like, you know, a solid defensive player can still move the play and can still chip in offensively. So I wanted that to happen because if we would have even signed Brody and we had. Brody, Uyghur, 
We even signed Bogosian. There's your improved defense right there on the right side. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and and I think it's uh, it's a great. I was right there with you. I wanted him in Toronto. I think he would have been great in the blue and white. But uh, that being said, uh, like a you know, I think one of the more underrated defensemen mm-hmm. in the league right now. Um, I don't think he gets enough recognition for what he does on the back end. Um, but I think it's a great signing by Florida to lock him up for three years, and it's still a movable contract if it comes to that point. Um, you know, down the road as well. So. You know, I think they know what they have in 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 Uyghur, and I think uh, it's a it's a solid. Like I said, it's a solid move for them. So it'll be interesting to see how how much he develops over the next couple of years in in the Panther system. And also, like their defense was kind of like the same as Toronto's, and actually both goaltending and defense it was kind of up and down for them this year. Um, it looked great some games, but it also looked bad some games. But Aaron Ekblad and Uyghur as that like sort of like top line pairing. They were very consistent every single game. So to have like if to have him on that top pairing be a stable force for you, you don't want to lose that. I mean, you brought in Marcus Udavaria, Nudivara, uh, you brought in Radko Gudis, you still have Anton, Anton Schralman, you still have a really good puck mover in Keith Yandel. You have that balance throughout your lineup. Maybe you give him another chance because that pairing itself was phenomenal. And now this is an opportunity to look at, okay, Ekblad and Uyghur wasn't my issue. What's What can we work on now? I mean, you added toughness and goodness, but Uyghur is your mainstay guy on that pairing. And I'm I'm kind of, I'm still frustrated that we don't have him. And as soon as like, I believe it was Bob McKenzie that said, you know, Toronto was in on Uyghur. I'm like, make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. I'm I'm still disappointed about that, but I understand that you know what they had a different vision. Brody was their main target the whole entire time, and they went out with him. So I still, I'm happy either way. Yeah, I know I, I agree with you. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, like I said, big signing for the Florida Panthers. Um, obviously, all these guys that have signed this week, uh, you know. Some big, some big, big moves by by some teams that need to lock up some guys, and um, you know, moving off of that, obviously we have um, the Jim Nielsen mo- uh, news that happened this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like every week we start talking about you know somebody who's who's kind of left us behind, and uh, Jim Nielsen, you know, dies at or passes away at the age of seventy nine. Uh, former Ranger, California Seal, Cleveland Baron. A defenseman who had 368 points over 1,023 NHL regular season games. Uh, also added 904 penalty minutes. Again, a different time. <laughs> a lot more lot more yeah. <laughs> uh, battles, let's say. Um, that said, uh, you know, finished his career with the WHA's uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, where he had five assists in 35 games in 19... And in... Um, yeah, in 1978-79... And uh, had he finished, he had a career high, sorry, 44 points in 1968-69 with the Rangers in 76 games. So, again, uh, obviously somebody that, uh, you know, still probably had a lot of life ahead of him. But, uh, you know, 79 years old, uh, lived, a, lived a good life from from being, a, you know, in an orphanage to, to making the NHL. So, yeah, um, always respected, always had a lot of class. Um, 
obviously, you know, this is a player way before my times in the 60s and 70s. But, you know, you you still appreciate the impact that they had on the game. And he was also named to the Saskatchewan Hockey Hall of Fame and Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame as well. Um, just reading up on it. And, you know, it's it's difficult. I mean, no matter if they're an alumni, if they're very young, you hate to see someone in the hockey community go like that. And you know what? Um and also, uh, reading on, NHL's first treaty indigenous player um, said that, you know, he was a big boy. He was a good athlete. He was absolutely respected. Um, you know, uh, it was it's really uh, difficult. And that's Fred uh, uh, Saska Moose who said that. And, you know, nothing but respect. He made an impact uh, for him in the NHL, as well as like putting uh, indigenous players on the map as well. So. Um, really, really sad to see that. Yeah. Um, like, like, like I said, it seems like a weekly event for us to, to be naming these, uh, these folks. And, um, you know, obviously our thoughts are with, uh, his family. Yeah. Uh, moving off of that though, uh, we want to get to Toronto news and there wasn't much for the Maple Leafs, the Marlies, the Toronto six this week. Um, that said, there is a prospect we want to talk about, um, absolutely tearing it up in international play right now rodian amirov uh this year's first round picks 15th overall um peter you've been kind of watching them closely in this tournament over there you know what what do you have to say for him man what i mean there's nothing bad to say i mean everything is going to be good about rodian amirov i mean his shot is just unbelievable. I mean, I mean, as soon as I saw the first game that they played, he cuts across the blue line, has possession of the puck, makes a quick move, and then just rifles it. His shot is unbelievable. His vision, his hockey sense, there's... I mean, I could go on and on and say how great of a prospect he is. And he had three goals in three games. Scored another one today. Wide open net off a rebound. He's always in the right position. He's always at the right time, in the right spot to get that puck. And I'm just absolutely thrilled that we got him. Again, I know I said I wanted Braden Schneider, but you know what? We got the best player at that spot, and it's working out right now for the Maple Leafs. And just to go off, uh, his uh, noted uh, agent, Dan Milstein, literally said that Toronto probably got the steal of the draft with him for him to drop down that low. I would have thought that maybe, you know, he still could have been 11, 12, but they struck gold with him. They have probably, I, I'm, I, I just have no words. I have no words to describe the rest of him. He's just a really solid prospect and he's showing that right now. And the fact that they bolstered their wing depth could make someone available or, you know, expendable down the line because he's playing like a top 10 player right now. Yeah. And uh, just watching his goal from uh, from today, uh, puck that ricocheted off the post right to him and his reaction, like just his reaction time is mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, you know, before the camera can even get over there, he's got he's got the shot away. And it's just yeah. That though those are the things that you, you don't really measure in terms of you know numbers and stats is that you know his his ability to get on that rebound so quickly and get the shot off it's just incredible and um you mentioned I think 
he he was one of the top three players in terms of ice time for for Russia in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see that stat. It was posted that he was one of the top three players for the Russian forwards, and you know it does make sense. Yeah, and he was also top in this in in this last game as well at twenty, uh, just over twenty minutes uh, yeah. in the game. So, um, you know, obviously some other notables from over there: Igor Chainikov, uh, the Columbus pick that everyone kind of gawked at in, in the first <laughs> round. Vasily Podkolzin's having a, having a tournament, but oh, yeah. one of the guys that continually comes up in every discussion about this this little mini tournament is Rodion Rodion Amarov. Um, yeah maybe one day I'll be able to spit it out properly, but um, you know, a guy that uh, you know, you mentioned it, people kind of looked at him at 15th and, and, you know, I had him ranked higher, but there's a lot of people that kind of question the pick at 15. And, and uh, I think he's almost gotten more confident after being drafted. Um, You know, his numbers weren't horrible going in. Obviously we had him as ranked as a first round pick that said, um, you know what he's been able to do since he just seems like he's going on this tear and uh i think that's just incredible what he what he's been able to do in this mini tournament uh he's off to a great start uh in league play as well and um yeah i think uh i think toronto's going to be very happy with this pick in in a few years i mean he he just doesn't stop I mean, even during the shootout, I mean, he made a he pulled off a really, really great move. And then, uh, honestly, I'm loving his sullies more than anything. He's celebrating like Alex Ovechkin out there. And if he continues to do that in the NHL, that's the kind of energy, that's the kind of character that this team needs. You know, he's confident in his game. And when he scores, he means it. So to have him and to even pro- like have him at that spot still available, that that that's just a... It's, it may not be the steal of the draft, but in that like 10 to 15 range, that is a steal, considering that he was supposed to be a top 10, 12 player. Yeah, I, I have no issue with that, uh, with with the celebrations. I think, you know, bring that energy. I'm, I'm a bat flip guy. If, if you hit a game winning home run, I'm OK with that, especially, you know. If if you if you're if you're getting some big goals for your team in, in hockey, you know, don't be afraid to to show a little personality. I don't mind that at all. Um, worth noting, he was also mentioned on uh, Matthew Sheridan's top uh, untouchable prospects for the Maple Leafs on, on the hockey writers. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously, a guy that uh, you know Leafs Nation should keep an eye on and um, should get really excited about. Really. Uh, yeah, he might be two to three years away still, but you know he's a guy, especially in that pipeline. Like Toronto's prospect pipeline right now is just incredible. Um, yeah. You know what they have coming coming out of that uh, that system is is going to be a lot of fun to watch, and they seem to just continually get these uh, international players that are going to develop into you know solid NHL uh, um, you know producers as well, and I think that's uh, that's what. Uh, you know, we're going to keep an eye on uh, Amarov moving forward and, and hopefully he can be, uh, you know, the guy that he's he's been so far since being drafted. The love is real for him. And I remember like when I was doing my top, when the Leafs got the 15th pick from Pittsburgh, I did an updated, you know, first round selections for him. And obviously, you know, Braden Schneider and Yaroslav Askarov were at the top of my list, but Rodion and Amirov was, you know, right there with them. And seeing the clips and the moves and the plays that he made at the U18 tournament and he was just phenomenal and 
that just continued on and he hasn't stopped. He hasn't looked back. He's just, he has a high motor. He has a high, you know, he has a very high mindset and determination that no matter where he is on the ice, he's going to win a puck battle. And, you know, this team values puck possession. We mentioned before that, you know what, they want to be tough to compete against. Rodian and Mirov, you know, despite playing up against, you know, junior age players, but even when he's playing in, you know, at the senior level, he can keep up with them. He can make an impact and he can be an impact player. Although, you know, limited ice time, we haven't seen much of that. But when he does play, he's a force out there and he's still he just got drafted and he's out there outperforming majority of the players that are like older than him on the ice. So. The numbers and stats may not show, but the play, what the Leafs wanted in him and what they're getting right now is relevant. And you know what? To see him at the World Juniors right now with possibly Mikhail Abramov on Team Russia, that's going to be really interesting to watch and see both of them like tear it up. Yeah, and uh, you know, just kind of going off of that, another uh, another Leafs prospect that I I want to talk about is Joe Thornton. Uh, oh yeah, what a um, top prospect. Yeah, top prospect right now in 2020-21. You know, three games for HC Davos in in the Swiss League and uh, a goal and four four assists. So five points in three games on that big ice. Um, I just just wanted to get into him quickly because I think think it's underrated how how important this addition to to the team is. Um, Just in terms of having that presence in the room. Um, you know, we've we've talked about before how how tough the media can be in a mecca, a hockey mecca like Toronto, um, coming at players and, and really asking those tough questions, you know, post game and, and in scrums and stuff like that. Um, this is a guy who's who's had no issue kind of getting into it with media and, and not not in a bad way, but kind of holding the media accountable, standing his ground and yes, yeah, standing his ground and um, you know. We've seen kind of some players in the past go back at media, whether it be Dion Phaneuf or or Phil Kessel or or guys like that that have just kind of taken a bite back at at Toronto media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having Thornton in the dress room will ease the minds of a lot of players. Um, just having a guy that's that's been there that uh, has that that not only hockey experience but you know the the post game scrum experience, the, yeah. the the media experience, the you know he's been he's been to so many international tournaments. He understands what the expectation is, but he also will stand his ground and stand up for his teammates and and you know take responsibility when it it's supposed to be taken by the players, and also give it back to the media when it's you know they're asking you know maybe silly questions. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I I just I just think it's an underrated addition in terms of, you know, yeah, he's he's uh, you know 41 years old, but he's a guy that's going to add a lot more to the the team, not just on the ice, but in terms of that veteran leadership as well. Yeah, what you describe is I think they don't want you know, especially the young players, to be pushed around from those tough questions, right? I mean, we saw what happened, you know, I mean, it blew up all over social media about how Austin Matthews, you know, replied back after Steve Simmons, you know, posted an article about his COVID-19 positive test, right? And nobody had any access to it. So, you know, Matthews 
being, you know, uh, he didn't think it was fair. So he's just like, you know what? I don't appreciate that. Having Thornton help out in that regard to say the right things like Matthews did right there. I don't appreciate that. I don't think it's fair. It shows that, you know what? These guys just aren't, you know, hockey players. They're human beings themselves. You know, they have, you know, a lot of pressure on them. They have feelings. They have a whole entire city that has been reeling for a champion. The older players need to defend the younger players. Obviously, the younger players can defend themselves, but there's no way that Joe Thornton or even Jason Spezza is going to let that fly right now. And having that attitude, not, okay, not attitude, but that, you know, um, I I, I can't think of the word, but okay, well, having that attitude, having that mindset to say, hey, we're not going to be bullied around anymore is a good step. They want to protect everybody. They want to say the right things and we're not going anywhere. We're going to, whatever you say, fine, whatever. But what we want to do is, you know, protect everyone on the seat. We're going to hold everyone accountable. And that's that. Yeah. And I think, I think on top of that, you know, like you said, I don't have any issue with the way that Matthews handled that situation with Steve Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think not only one, he voiced his, 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 uh, kind of displeasure disa- yeah displeasure and disappointment with the way that simmons handled that situation but then he also went on to answer simmons question mm-hmm. so he didn't you know there was no there was no you know um frustration there uh it was more just yeah here's here's how i feel about what you did but yeah. you know what i'm still going to be a professional and still answer that question i think that's what joe thornton will bring to this team is a is kind of continue to teach them how to to become pros Mm-hmm. And that's that's where you're going to see the team kind of make that turnaround and, and become that next level franchise, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, Matthews could have gone a whole different direction. It could have been like, you know, the whole Dan Boyle thing where it's just like, I want this guy out. I want this guy out out of here. But then again, Dan Boyle was getting uh, unfair questions as well. There, there are other like even like the Phil Kessel situation where, you know, is he is he difficult to coach, you know? players get these tough questions, but they don't seem fair enough because there's more to it. You shouldn't just pin everything on one player. And now that Joe Thornton is here again, I, we, I said, we, you said it, I set it up at, at the top. He's here to protect them. He's here to say, you know what? Enough of this. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I fully and agree. Also, also, I'm just saying this. That Sue St. Marie Greyhound alumni and Joe Thornton, how awesome would it have been if Kyle Dubas was, you know, GM during the early thousands, mid thousands of the Maple Leafs and he got hit one of his Sioux boys back? Well, wasn't he like a water boy at that point or something like that? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, obviously, you know, you can't change history. But if he was a GM, if he was, you know, his age right now in the early thousands, GM of a team. I, I'm I'm curious to see how much he would have done because you know there's there, there's this, the the connection of you know him going back to the Sioux Greyhound roots. I want to know if he would have gotten Joe Thornton back then like he did right now. Yeah, no, I, my money is yes. Yeah, no, 100. I I agree with you. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, not a whole lot to talk about this uh, this episode. Probably one of our shorter episodes so far, but uh, you know. Peter, obviously we're going to stick with uh, 
you know, the off season and, and where it's going and, you know, kind of keep everybody updated as much as possible in terms of what the NHL and the NHLPA come to in terms of an agreement for starting the, uh, the 2020-21 season. Yes. That said, guys, check out the Hockey Writers. A lot of great Maple Leafs content. Um, yes. A lot of great content in general. Um, you know, we just, me personally, I just came out with a, a prospects report. That's going to be something that I continually do as the, uh, the, the leagues overseas continue to, to run. Um, I'm also going to be coming out with my 2021 November, um, draft rankings. Uh, obviously, you know, it can never, it's never too early for that kind of stuff. It seems like we just finished the 2020 draft and now we're talking 2021, but you know, that's what we love to do. Uh, that's why we do it. Um, you know, Peter, what what do you have in the works? What do you got in the pipeline coming out for for our readers? Um, kind of like you, I got a 2021 draft content piece coming out soon. Um, but like you said, um, not it's never too early to talk about the draft right now, and especially this year, there's going to be a lot more uncertainty uncertainty than there was in 29 in the 2020 draft, because I'm just I'm I'm just going to say it right now. I'm just going to give a little bit of a teaser. The top three players that I'm writing about, I think, are are their defensemen, and we're going to see one, two, three defensemen this year. I love it. I love it. As a former Use defenseman, that as I you love will. it. Use that as you will. Who am I talking about? I don't know. You'll have to find out. Yeah, and like I said, guys, uh, head on over to the Hockey Writers. Um, check us out. Check mm-hmm. out all of our colleagues. They they do wonderful work. There's a yeah, whole absolutely. slew of writers there um, from all different uh, walks of life, and, and they all they all do great great work in terms of getting you guys content. So um, another shout out to our listeners as well. Uh, we made it onto Apple's top hockey podcast in the United States this week. Um, yes. You know, shout out to you guys. We debuted there. We hit the Canadian charts again. Um, and we continue to look and strive to be on those charts. You guys are the ones that help us get there. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you review. Take the five minutes to review us on Apple iTunes. Yeah. Make sure you you know follow us. Um, download our episodes. The more you guys do for us, the more we can do for you. And that's what we're we're here to do. We love doing this. Um, yeah. You know anything to look forward to uh, this week, Peter? Um, Netflix shows you've been watching. Let's 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 throw it out to our listeners. See what they've got for us. I'm kind of a nerd, and one of my friend and I hate one of my friends so much because he got me hooked back up on anime right now. Uh, I remember back in like the early thousands when I would come home from hockey. There's that anime block on YTV or whatever with Full Metal Alchemist, Dragon Ball Z, and all that. So I just finished watching an anime series on Netflix. Started up another one. So yeah, uh, my nerd side is coming out right now. Um. That's it. That that that's what I've been doing the past few days. What have you been watching, man? I'm I'm all over like uh, movies from a few years back. Right now, um, I'm in the midst of watching. Uh, I just watched Da Vinci Code. I'm watching, uh, you know, Angels and Demons. I threw on Argo. Um, nice. But uh, I'm also a huge docu series guy, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm all. I just finished uh, the Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. And, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, man, there are some sick people out there. There are some sick, sick mm-hmm. people out there. Uh, if you're able to watch things like that, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a very interesting docuseries. That said, as a parent, again, I know I said this about another one that we discussed. 
you yes. know, man, it's 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 tough to watch that kind of stuff. Um, and you your just discretion wonder, is advised. Yes, yeah, I I won't ruin it for you, but it, I just yeah, it's it's uh, you know, you just wonder where people's heads are at sometimes. No, for sure, and I mean those crime drama, like those crime documentaries. You know, I mean, if it you hate to see it, but you know, it's it's technically a part of history. If it was like gaining a lot of attention back then you want to see what happened. Like, how did this come to fruition? Like, how did, you know, the involvement from, like, the law enforcement and everything like that, how did it come to this point? There are a lot of, like, interesting documentaries out there that do focus on that, and, you know, they're big news stories, too. So, I mean, like you said, you hate to see it. Yeah, and just a last note as well. Um, obviously, our episodes normally come out on Tuesdays. Uh, it should come out this week on Tuesday as well. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out, uh, Wednesday is Remembrance Day here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously, uh, for those that don't know, my, my grandfather was, uh, part of the Dieppe raid, uh, for Canada and, um, uh, you know, was taken prisoner of war for three years. He has since passed away at the age of 94, but, uh, I, I'm a huge advocate for, for taking part in Remembrance Day and, mm -hmm. uh, this, this is the first year that, uh, we won't have a Remembrance Day parade. Um, yeah in a, in a long, long while that said, I will be taking my son, uh, down to my grandfather's resting place in, in Oakville. And, uh, I hope you all take a moment, uh, to just, you know, think and, and respect and, and thank all those that, uh, you know, sacrificed their lives and, and went overseas and, uh, fought for our freedom because uh, I think it's, it's more important than, uh, so many more things that are going on in the world right now. So um, take that, take that minute, take, mm -hmm. take a couple minutes uh, to just think about it, where your poppy um, whole foods. I know you went back on what you did before, but uh, you know, let your employees wear poppies. It's, yeah. it's, it's a sign of respect and uh, it's absolutely disgusting that anybody would say that, the, that their employees cannot wear poppies. So uh, take that time Wednesday, obviously this, this episode will come out beforehand and uh you know just pay your respects yeah no absolutely um you know it's it's a sign of remembrance to thank those that you know who served us in the past and uh, like your grandfather who is a real hero and who continue to serve us right now um whether it be you know army navy um you know peacekeeping missions whatever um uh, we thank you we value your you know your commitment to protecting us and everything that we value as well. So, um, yeah, wear a poppy again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We can't be, I can't say it more than enough for everything that you do overseas and right now. Yeah. And, uh, shout out to our listeners and, uh, hopefully you guys uh, stay tuned for next week and Peter have a wonderful week, my friend. You too, man. Take it easy. And everyone out there have a good one. <laughs>